You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, this is Evan, and you're listening to Damsels in Detroit on Podcast Detroit. Hey, everybody. So we're back. This is episode five of Damsels in Detroit. And I'm sitting here with somebody who I think is super awesome, Chanel Adams. So I'm going to read to you guys just a little bit about Chanel. Um, Chanel Adams is the founder of Progressionista, which is a library-based book club program for girls where they meet a woman professional at each meeting. She believes her fondness for books since a child has led her towards self-discovery and helps her accomplish a myriad of goals. After attending Howard University, Chanel returned to Detroit and noticed how little she saw girls reading. Inspired to change that, she combined her love for women empowerment and reading for leisure and created Progressionista. Today, Progressionista has exposed underserved girls to over 50 women professionals from diverse careers and given away over 700 books for girls to keep. The program is currently operating in two Detroit communities in the Inglewood community in Chicago. Hey, Chanel. Hey, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here because... Um, a lot of people know that I love reading and I feel like if people follow you on social, then they know that you also love to read. So I'm just happy that we can talk about books and what you're doing in the community. So let's hop right into it. Okay. So I have a few like icebreaker questions to start. So my first one is what sparked your love for reading? Hmm. I think it was just seeing the women in my family read. My mm-hmm. mom always read. She was like, Really big with the whole Oprah's book club. Oh movement. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so she read all of those books, like Mitch Album and all the positive books that Oprah recommended. So I saw her reading. Mm-hmm. She loved the Yala before she was like a big person. Okay, <laughs> before she started fixing people's lives. Right. Um, and then my grandma too. She read a lot. Um, she read like those romance books. Oh you know, yeah, the ones that they sell at the supermarket. Okay. <laughs> I always wonder, like, who is reading these? But... My great grandma. <laughs> There's a market um, for it. So I think just I always saw people reading, and you know, naturally you do what people around you are doing. But I think what really made me fall in love with reading, and I don't want to sound like a super nerd, but it was Harry Potter. Okay. Like that was the first book I remember being addicted to, trying to read the next one, the next one. I was pretty young, like mm-hmm. eleven. Okay, and I started reading Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite author? Mm-hmm. Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite author. I could say that a million times. <laughs> I I used to pause when I heard that question, but it's like no doubt her. But I don't want to always. Everyone knows that, so I try to think of other people. But right. It's like it's her. stay true to yourself. It's Toni Morrison. <laughs> Is there a particular reason why? Yeah, um, I think when I was exposed to her books, it was at in high school. Um, me and Evan went to the same high school, Renaissance hey, High School. <laughs> and um, I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was like a stellar student at Renaissance. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the worst, but I wasn't the best. <laughs> you know, just trying to, you know, in like the a B, be a B student. Okay. <laughs> um, and. I um I think what made me feel like I was different at Renaissance or stand out in a school where so many people were trying to strive was my creativity, mm-hmm. my love for writing. And when I read Toni Morrison, it was just amazing to me what she was able to do with words. Yeah. Um, she's super talented, obviously. And I just became obsessed with her. She's the reason why I went to Howard because she went there. Oh. I never visited Howard before going there. Mm-hmm. I just knew I wanted to go. Because she went and there. And I put all the all my eggs in that basket. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it did, thankfully. <laughs> um, so what are you reading right now? Hmm. Um, well, speaking of Toni Morrison, I am reading her latest book. Um, it's very, very, very thick. Okay. And it's a lot of essays. 
um, and speeches and different things she hasn't released over the years. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'm reading. I will say I'm the type of person that reads multiple books at the same Amazing. time. I cannot do um, that. Yeah, when I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, she said Barack Obama does that. Uh -huh. you know? Not trying to flex, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously great people do okay. that. Um, so I'm also reading, I'm trying to think of the other things that I'm reading right now. Um, I'm reading a lot of Flannery O'Connor. I don't know if you heard of her. I haven't. But she's an author um, that reminds me a lot of Toni Morrison okay. that I hadn't heard about. So I'm reading a few of her books. So that's pretty much what I'm reading right now. Yeah. But I will say this. Um, because I have the book club and I have two groups now, mm -hmm. I find myself reading a lot of their books. Okay. Um, kids' books yeah. now. <laughs> and they're good. Mm -hmm. Like, preteen books are very good. <laughs> so you should check them out. Um my favorite one that I read this year is President of the Whole Sixth Grade. Mm -hmm. That character is a Detroiter. Oh, um, so and cute. it's so cool because it's such a great book. It's a very popular book. I didn't expect it mm -hmm. when I opened it to read it. And she's just doing all these cool adventures at the DIA or mm -hmm. in Henry Ford Museum. It's just really cool. That's cute. Um, to just see your city represented in a book because we don't come across that a lot. And is the author from Detroit too? I don't think so. Oh, wow. So she chose Detroit, yeah. And what's the name of it one more time? It's called The President of the Whole Sixth Grade. Okay, y'all. So if you have um, young girls in your life, or even if you want to read it, you should pick it up. Yeah. And like, I don't know. The author might be from Detroit. So she's listening to this. Sorry. <laughs> but I don't think she is because okay. I think I looked it up. I don't believe she is. And she's written a, a lot of other popular books and mm -hmm. they're set in other cities. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, and then how do you figure out what books you want to read? Do you kind of go to the bookstore and just say, this cover is cute. I'm going to pick this one up. Or do you do a lot of research beforehand and then choose what books you want to read for the year? How do you pick them out? That's a good question. I think as I, um, as I grow older, it changes what mm -hmm. inspires me to read. When I first graduated from college and I just ha was able to read so much, I was reading a lot of new releases, mm -hmm. a lot of fiction. Um, and now I'm at the point in my life where I, I think I know I'm beginning to learn who I am, and I just want to know more about who I am now that I've figured out who that person is. Right. So um, one person that I'm reading a lot of is W.E.B. Du Bois, mm -hmm. um, just because I was listening to a podcast, and they were, like, rediscovering his works. And it's just something I took for granted when I was in college, right. reading those books. So. I'm reading a lot of his stuff now, and I think that's where I am now revisiting things yeah. that I read in the past because I, did, I took them for granted. Exactly. And I think especially when you grow up um, like I did and I went to predominantly black schools and I went to historically black college, you kind of take for granted learning about these pioneers I and agree. these leaders. Um, even like Martin Luther King, I've been reading a lot of his stuff because it was just kind of like the person like, oh, we always talk about him, yeah. so I'm never going to talk about him. Right. And then it's like, wow, he really was a dynamic person, a yeah. dynamic leader. So I've been reading a lot of works from people like that because um, now I'm seeing myself trying to grow as a leader. And not just seeing myself as just a woman doing something, but right. knowing that in order to lead people, you have to have a certain skill set. Mm -hmm. So. I guess that's what's inspired me to read, but it changes. Yeah, I agree. Just like you said, um, taking it for granted because we always hear about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks in school, but we're literally only scratching the surface. Exactly. So when exactly. you get these books and you're actually reading about from the time they were born to their death, you just learn so much in between. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I like that you said that. Um, but I feel like when we were growing up, 
reading for leisure was kind of encouraged. Like mm-hmm. I grew up around books. I had like the little hooked on phonics book. <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. always reading something. Borders was my favorite store. So I was devastated when they closed. I would just spend hours in there. My mom would literally be like, we have to go. <laughs> like yeah. It's time. But now I feel like kids are so into their tablets mm-hmm. or before they even know how to read, they know how to navigate YouTube and Netflix. And honestly, that freaks me out. Yeah, <laughs> I think what I'm learning from the girls that I work with is – when you're used to something, it doesn't become special anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what technology is for them compared to our generation. Okay. I think that they'll be the ones that will break the mold as far as the addiction to technology. Okay. Because they all come into the book club, a lot of them with their phones. And every book club meeting, someone leaves their phone. They're not paying attention to their phone. They don't care. Okay. Unless it's a dull moment and they'll pull it out just like we do. Right. And I'll tell them put it up. <laughs> but yeah. Um, they're so happy to get a book. They're so happy to hold something tangible. Okay. So I think that they don't look at it as closely as we do, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, but it is a part of their lives way more than it was a part of ours. Right. And it's our responsibility to expose them to books and to other things like going outside. Yeah. That we did as a kid that shaped us, informed us. Mm-hmm. So it's just being intentional about that. And I think a part of it is us being the example. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I said, I witness people reading. If you see people around you always on the phone, yeah. every time, you know, your older sister has a break, she's on her phone, she's not paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. Naturally, you're going to think that's the way of life. Right. So did you find that when you started the book club, and we'll get more into this later, but did you find that the girls that came were already interested in reading or was it kind of like you had to really introduce them to reading for leisure Mm, it's a mix okay it's some girls who are really interested in it and um i like that we're a space for girls like that because when i was growing up i was interested in reading already but there were no spaces for me yeah and i don't feel like every program should be like a conversion program Mm -hmm. like we're getting these kids who don't want to read and we're changing their lives (laughs) let's get real (laughs) So we do have girls who are excited about reading and are just looking for that sisterhood around Okay. So I love that. But we have girls, plenty of girls, probably half and half, um, that are really reluctant readers. Okay. They look like, man, we have to read this whole book. And then when they come in part of the book club and they see the other girls reading, they see that I'm a reader. They're excited about reading. They actually read books because I choose books that I know they're going to love. I don't choose any boring books. Mm -hmm. It's not my book club. Right. So based on the suggestions that they give me and the things I know they like, that's how I pick the books. And they're excited to read after that. I've seen girls go from not reading at all, their moms not wanting to put them in the program, to being very, very voracious readers. So I have seen transformations like that. But I also, like I said, I do also think it's a space for girls who already love reading. Because as you know, Evan, even though if it might have been encouraged, it wasn't popular or cool to yeah. read. The, you know, the artsy reader mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I think we see more images in the media now, yeah. especially on shows like girls that represent us. Right. But when we were growing up, it wasn't like that. I so know. I think it's changing. Yeah. Because that was kind of like my outlet. Like I wasn't allowed to watch certain stuff on TV uh-huh. or listen to certain stuff. So sometimes at school when like some of my peers will be having these conversations like, oh, did you watch? Have you ever seen this movie? I'm like, no, but I read this really cool book. You know, just uh-huh. so you kind of feel like the eye went out. But yeah. now people ask me for book recommendations yeah, all the exactly. time. So mm-hmm. I see y'all out here trying to get your read on. <laughs> Um, so in 2017, Raising a Reader, 
Um, and for those that don't know, that's a national nonprofit that provides resources and guidance for families to implement home-based literacy routines. They reported that 86% of Detroit's third graders are not reading at grade level, which is crazy. Very, very alarming statistic. Um, but as we know, not being able to read will make it harder for these children to succeed in the future. So, I mean, you talk about not being able to read forms that you need to fill out mm-hmm. for maybe the doctor mm-hmm. or not being able to, I don't know, read street signs or pretty much anything. Reading is so fundamental. So if you don't know how to do it, it's just going to be harder to do everything else. But can you talk about some of the things that you think contribute to the city's literacy rate? Yeah, Um think so much contributes to it. And I'll just use my book club as an example. Mm-hmm. Just seeing how many impediments um, parents and kids face just coming to a meeting sometimes. Right. So um, this is always been my biggest thing is transportation issue in the city. Yeah. It's not a big deal to you if you if you have a car. Right. Or if you can afford a car. But that's a big deal to another Detroiter. And um, that so it fairly affects if a kid comes to a book club meeting or if a kid goes to school every day, mm-hmm. if a kid is able to walk to school or not, all of that stuff plays a role in them just showing up. So I think those little things that don't really have anything to do with reading that happen in the city really impacts a child education. Yeah. And if they want to read at all. Um, so I think a lot of it is just resources that are not available. Mm-hmm. Just really goes back to that. Um, but. Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of the things that you think contribute to why the city's okay. literacy rate is so low. Yeah, I just really think it's just the it's the education system in general, mm-hmm. um, which we all know needs improvements. Yeah, I don't really think the teachers are to blame. The, the, who's to blame? We don't know. But right. as we know, anywhere where there's a lot of economic, um, there's lack of economic opportunity. There'll be a lack of educational opportunity as well. Yeah. And I was talking to my parents about this yesterday. Um, but just some people might not be able to afford books. Yeah. Or yeah. like you said, the transportation thing, like they might not know where the local libraries mm-hmm, are or mm-hmm. even where to go to, you know, sit down and have access to those types of things, which makes me really sad. And I, that's why I think that what you're doing is so great because you are exposing them to another part of the city that maybe some of these girls have never been to a library before they joined your club. But it's just, it's like so heartbreaking because I think about, you know, when I was growing up and how, you know, reading was such a big thing. We had comprehension tests in school, quite often spelling tests and things. So I really don't know because obviously we're so, I don't want to say far removed from Mm -hmm. the school system, but we're not there every day. So we don't really know like what's Mm -hmm. going on, but I'm hoping that Later on down the line, that will change because I just hate to hear stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to talk about Progressionista. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first learned about the statistics, like the one that I just mentioned, um, you were inspired to start Progressionista, which is a book club for Detroit girls ages 8 to 12. And it exposes them to what you described as the self-discovering power of reading for leisure. So can you talk more about why and how you started the organization? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's um, many reasons behind why I started it. Um, That's one of them. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just one thing led to another. And I I guess I'll tell you the story. I um, When I graduated from Howard, I came back to Detroit. I had an internship at um, the automotive company and it ended Kind of abruptly, I didn't expect it to end. Okay. <laughs> um, like, hey, you know how you have, like, you know, 
such big dreams when you first graduate from yeah. college. You think, oh, yes. I did really, really good at an internship. It's going to turn to a job. Yeah, they're going to love me. Yeah, and, and it just there. didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like left high and dry, and it left me a lot of time to observe. And I was going to the library to apply for jobs. Okay. Um, because my computer broke. And it was just, you know, one of those seasons. Yeah. So I was at the library applying for jobs. And I just noticed that I didn't see a lot of people reading. And that they were advertising for book clubs to join. Okay. And I thought, oh, it would be cool to start a book club. But that was just one, you know, the first sign. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed how much I have a um, a goddaughter and a little cousin. And they both have been in the program. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't really see them reading as much as I did when I was a kid. Um, and it's just something that I just thought about, like, you know, I want to change that. So I thought, what if I do a book club for girls? Yeah. And I thought about a class I had at Howard. It was the most amazing class ever. There were um, women speakers that came to each of our class periods mm-hmm. of um, different type of lifestyles. Okay. And I just remember how much of a change that class had on me. Yeah. Just being able to ask them personal questions or professional questions. And not only that, I remember that a lot of the women who came to speak at Howard mentioned books that they read or like women that I look up to or mentors always mention, you know, read this book. So I knew it was a correlation between successful women reading um, and then their actual success. Mm -hmm. So I decided, hmm, what if I do a book club where girls can see these dynamic women and then take home a book? And I just began to create what is Progressionista. I began to come up with an um, actual model for it, that they should do fun activities, that it should be a diverse set of women, that um, the books should be fun. So they're yeah. all fiction books. And it just came to life little by little. Okay. Yeah. That's so great. And I like that you have women come in every meeting because um, I think the 8 to 12 is a very impressionable age. Yeah. And so. <laughs> yes, it's when they're going through puberty. Yeah. yeah. So it's so important for them to see, especially women, because aren't most of the women that you have from the city? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I think that that makes a huge difference, too, because you're, these are people that are not unattainable. Like yeah. they are in your community. They might be your next door neighbors, but they're doing these really awesome things. So, mm-hmm. And the cool thing about it um, is that I try to expose them to literally all different type of women. So I try to expose them to careers that don't require college, mm-hmm. um, like a park ranger or bus driver or um, or having a secretary come. Oh, fine. Um, but also careers like an engineer or a dentist. Right. Um, we have artists come. I want them to see whatever path their life takes. Um, they can actually be an authentic woman mm-hmm. who loves their life and pours their all into it. And reading can get them there. Because sometimes I think, you know, we have our trends where this is the popular career we want yeah. women to do. We want all women to be business women. We want all women to be artists at this moment. And we go with the trends. But as you and I know, there's a whole generation of girls who have their own unique dreams. Yeah. So while we're having all these programs around these themes, there's so many girls slipping through the cracks yep. and nobody is cultivating. Right. So I try to have the women as diverse as possible. So who would you describe as a progressionista or what is a progressionista? How would you define it? Okay. Um, a progressionista, the definition is a woman who progresses in life through a love of reading so that's the definition of the word. But Evan, I think you're the perfect example of a progressionist. I know I'm so serious. Thank you. Even before coming here, I always thought that about you. 
You are just the type of woman that I look at as a progressionista, a woman who is, you know, cool, cultured, loves to read. It's not something you're doing out of force. It's not something you're doing (laughs) for clout. You just love it. And it shows in how you carry yourself and the wisdom that you put into the world. So that's what I, I think a progressionista is. You would be surprised how many women look at the program and they're like, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is the type of woman I am. I identify with this so much. And then there are celebrity women who we all know who love to read. I mean, Oprah is the most obvious right. one. But there are so many women who can identify with falling in love with books and how books have changed their lives. Well, first of all, thank you. You're, You're trying welcome. to make me cry up in here. <laughs> Every time people come in here, you guys are just giving me compliments. And I'm like, this is not what it's supposed to be. Aww, you but thank them. you. Um, you just made me lose my train of thought. So you talked a lot about your um, that you like to have them read fiction books. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think that you would transition to biographies or do you want to do you like fiction? Because I remember when I interviewed you with the video we did with the city, um, you said that fiction kind of opens your eyes or makes you more empathetic. So yeah. is that why you choose fiction books for the girls? Um, if there was ever an opportunity of a nonfiction book that really went with a speaker or the girls really wanted to read, they can. Okay. Um, however, it just seems that they like fiction the best. I'm a proponent of fiction because I believe that fiction is the type of reading that doesn't just teach you because all of the characters have the capacity to teach them, but it also opens up your imagination. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting to have these women who are um, these dynamic speakers, but we don't read like a biography about a dentist after the dentist leaves. You read about a character who just got braces. Okay, That's a way for you to really connect with someone who's your age, doing something cool or quirky or funny, and really fall in love with books. But just from a more marketing perspective, um, Majority of fiction readers are women. Women tend to love fiction. Okay. Especially at that age. So I'm just giving them what they want. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm a strong proponent of fiction because there's this belief that um, to be a serious reader or um, to be, you know, this dynamic businesswoman, you have to be reading leadership books, biography, memoirs, and you can read fiction and it will actually grow you. One of my favorite books in the last five years is Homegoing. I don't know if you heard of that. I haven't read that. Yeah, it's a fiction book, and it follows these characters all the way from um, Ghana okay, um, prior to slavery all the way till now. Wow. And it's just amazing. I feel like you'll learn more about the history of um, slavery and how it changed us and mm-hmm. how and what it did to our ancestors and how it— um, how it has the capacity to really move us okay. through that book than any book that I've ever read about it. That's so, so interesting. I think it's just— the Power of Art. I'm going to have to read that one. Um, but right now you're hosting the book clubs at the Redford branch and then the Franklin branch on the east side. Yes. So why do you think that it's important for you to access different parts of oh, the city? so good. Um, I wanted it to be neighborhood based because, like I said, the transportation issue. I wanted girls from the actual neighborhoods to go to Progressionista. Right. Um, and I think... The importance of it is, is that girls don't just need to have great things in their community, but they need to see their community as a place where they can experience love, joy, and happiness with each other. Right. So often in a lot of um, youth programs or just in general, our idea is to show kids, like, it's more than this. Mm -hmm. But there is 
a lot in this that they don't even know exists. Um, and that's why a lot of us came back to Detroit because we left and we realized like, oh, no, it's some great things in this city. Yeah. And I want them to be exposed to joy in their actual neighborhood prior to that. Um, but also it's very, very convenient, the library, the way it's is able to penetrate every neighborhood in the mm-hmm. city. You know, it's not a lot of institutions that can do that. Right. So I think it's just awesome for them to be able to go to their local library and be a part of our book club. And that's the way I want to scale it is for it to be available in neighborhood libraries. Are you running both of them by yourself? Um, I don't run either of them by myself. Okay. I have um, volunteers that help. Perfect. And then I have my mom and my friend Shakira. Mm-hmm. They're like the two people who like work hand in hand with me. Okay. Um, and they they were just supposed to do the west side with me, but now they're doing the east side <laughs> with me too. I told them they didn't have to. I was going to find someone else, but they want to. So okay, that's good. So really, um, we are we do it um, the third Saturday for the west side, the fourth for the east, and. I just want to tell the listeners this. I was a little bit daunted by that because I'm like, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I I work full time. Right. And I'm like, I'm doing two groups. Yeah. Yikes. But I wanted it to expand and I knew it's the only way it could expand properly. Okay. Um, But when I met the girls on the east side, I was so happy that I did it. They are just such a unique group. They are so grateful for it, and they're just so ready to be progressionistas that I was just so happy that I decided to do that. So it was just a really big blessing for me, the East Side group this year. And then how many do you have in both groups? Yeah, so I have um, our max is 15, so it can remain intimate. So I have 15 on the um, West Side. We have 10 on the East Side. Okay. Yeah. Well, any other girls, she needs five more <laughs> on the East. Do you have plans of getting into every branch of the library? Do you foresee that for Progressionista? Or do you like the two that you have right now? I mean, as many as possible would be the ideal goal. Mm-hmm. Just because, like I said, I would love for it to be neighborhood-based where girls can just stay in their neighborhood and not have to travel. Yeah. Um, but I would have to train other women to be Progressionista yeah. leaders. So. <laughs> You know, that will take some time and some effort behind it. But um, it is hard work trying to scale something like this. You know, it would be easier to have a big library full of a whole bunch of girls and yeah. do it one day. But I don't want to compromise the intimacy of the program mm-hmm. just to pile as many girls in it as possible. Yeah. So it will take time. But that is my my dream for scaling it is it to be at local libraries. And I do like that you keep it smaller, too, because I feel like that might feel let them feel more comfortable to open up more. Yeah. I think that when mm-hmm. you have such a large group, you know, that might be when they start pulling out the phone exactly. or exactly. they feel like they don't want to say anything what they consider, quote unquote, stupid. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's just good that they can build that sisterhood and, you know, really know everybody in the group by name and right. recognize exactly. them. Yeah. Good idea. Um, but you also recently began a partnership with Imagine Inglewood, if that's located on Chicago in Chicago's South Side. Um, so can you talk about how that partnership came about? I love to. Um, it's actually a friend from Howard okay. um, who I'm doing it with. And she's amazing. We are very close friends. And she is just such a dynamic person. She went back to Chicago, um, wanted to do community work, was volunteering and um, quit her job. She was working like a corporate job. Began to do program work for a nonprofit in the Inglewood community. And then she just worked really, really hard. And now she's the executive director of a nonprofit there and has a staff, like a, a big, a pretty big nonprofit. 
And I'm just so I was just so proud of her for doing that. Um, and her passion for her community is just out of this world. I just have to say that before I tell you the story. <laughs> so she reached out to me because they wanted to do some girl programming. And she saw what I was doing, Progressionista. And she reached out to me about it. And at the time, it was, I think, 2016. And I wasn't ready for it yet. Okay. Um, only because I felt like I need to get the paperwork in the business. And I don't know if we're going to talk about that. But I need to get this together before yeah. I start expanding stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, over the course of the year, since she asked me, Ironically, I was getting everything together on the business side of Progressionista, and I wasn't thinking about what she asked me. It just so happened that that was my focus. So um, the next year comes, and she asked me, okay, I gave you a year. (laughs) And, you know, time time moves so fast. So I said, okay, we can do it. So I just um, created all of the, you know, necessary things that we needed to create, um, asked people for advice on how the partnership could be feasible, and we did it. And they did their thing. And I was just amazed. I saw the pictures first, of course. Mm -hmm. They were doing it the same weekend as us. And it just looked just like ours. And (laughs) to see somebody duplicate what you've done and do it well and see girls happy, then you know that your stuff has potential for growth. And this was prior to me doing the Eastside group. So it was the first time that I had done anything other than the one West Side group that I was doing. And then I went and visited in person, um, and it was just so amazing. And it was just such a joy to see. Um, Nothing like this is easy. It takes a lot of work and balancing both of our schedules because this is just one program out of a myriad of programs she's doing. And then I work full-time, and I'm doing Progressionista on the ground here. So there was a lot of work in us just syncing up, making sure, you know, we have everything together, Mm -hmm. making sure they know what to do and what's the mission of the organization. So Mm -hmm. there is work behind it. I don't want to romanticize it too much. Right. But it has been one of the most joyous things. So I think one of my biggest takeaways from this experience is just to leverage the relationships you have. Yeah. So often we're trying to look outside of our circles and think that somebody else will put us on, but really just collaborating with people that you trust and that have shown you their passion and their way and you have your gifts and bringing them together to do stuff for the community, it mm-hmm. can be really, really um, big if you allow it to be. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, um, and I always think about this quote. I don't know where she was talking, but it was Issa Rae, and yeah. she said something mm-hmm. about networking across. Yeah. And I really try to to do that every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, because you can look, I mean, just on Instagram and see yeah. girls in your community that are doing stuff, and it's it's nothing hard about sending somebody a dm and just saying like hey really like what you're doing i would love to collaborate like can we meet can yeah. we talk um instead of looking at these people like you said that might be so out of reach mm-hmm. or you know they might have 30 40,000 followers and you send them a dm and they'll never see it yeah exactly <laughs> no exactly you know just reach out to those people and see what you guys can do together because you would be surprised you would be surprised you would be surprised so i just want to i want y'all to implement that in your everyday life <laughs> Um, but are you accepting new members right now? And then how can parents and guardians sign their daughters up to participate in a book club? That's a good question. We're about to end for the school year. Okay. Um, so our book club ends in May. We have a big like annual tea party in mm-hmm. June. Um, so the school year is wrapping up and we keep the same girls all school year. So we're going to allow sign signups very soon. You okay. can go to progressionista.org backslash join. 
Um, right now, the application will be for the fall of next year, September um, of this year, the fall of this year, <laughs> September 2019. Um, and that'll be for the west side and the east side. Okay. Perfect. So we're going to go into some listener questions. Yeah. Um, and then I do have one about how to start a nonprofit. Somebody did ask that. So we can Good. get into like the business right, side, the yeah. nitty gritty of it, as I like to say. Um, but Taylor Harrell, and I hope I'm saying your last name right, girl, um, from Instagram, it says, what is your favorite book? Did we already ask that? And then two, what book has shaped your life? Mm, that's a good question. Um, my favorite book, I would have to go with Toni Morrison since this is my favorite author. Mm-hmm. And it will be um, Sula by Toni Morrison. Okay. Just because the women were so dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I like how she showed like a like a fiery woman, Sula, mm-hmm. but also a character named Nell. Who I think I'm more like, okay. who's a little bit more reserved. Um, I like how she shows women in different lights that aren't stereotypical in literature or yeah. in any type of art. They're like how we are. We're all distinct. Mm-hmm. Her characters are always super complex, too. Like, there's yeah. always something going on with all of them. Um, I reread A Song of Solomon and... You know, talking about revisiting something. Mm-hmm. It's like in high school, I was just like, okay, this book has a lot going on. And then I read it again and I was like, woo. Okay. I know. <laughs> yeah, you can really swallow it up. And yeah. um, I want to give a um, a favorite nonfiction book too. Okay. Because I, it's hard to pick. Um, a Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I haven't. I think everyone should read that book. It is an awesome book. And the title says it all, Us as a Society, Returning to Love. And it's just an eye-opening book about how all of us were conditioned to be kind of competitive mm-hmm. or be just very cynical about our lives within ourselves and how it's just not natural and a way to reshape our mind okay. to be loving. Okay. And it seems novel, but it is such an amazing book. Everybody that I've told read the book changed their lives. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And would you say that that's the book that has shaped your life? I mean, I'm in a constant sh- I'm in a constant state of Constantly being shaped. becoming. Okay. okay. I'm in a constant state of being shaped. So that question is a hard question for me because every single book I've read in some way has shaped me. Okay. And that's why I think the mission of Progressionista is important. Like I literally am a woman who has been shaped by books. Yeah. Um, but I'll give the most recent one. It's, it was Becoming by Michelle Obama. And it was loved it. such a good book for me because in the book, she was 27 years old, which I am right now. When mm-hmm. she decided, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. Right. It was that time period where she was kind of figuring herself out. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I am. And um, just reading about some of the things she was dealing with, being a successful woman, but being really family oriented, right. just that balance. And um, wanting more out of life, but not wanting to um, compromise your intellect. Just so many different things that she addressed that um, a lot of people go through, especially black women, Mm -hmm. um, that really shaped me at this point in my life. And I didn't expect it. I was just reading to learn more about her. Right. But that that book has moved me the most recently. Yeah, I definitely recommend that one for everybody because I feel like... We looked at Michelle Obama as a fashion mm-hmm. icon, as a first lady. <laughs> well, at least me. I'm like, wow, this lady, she just looks great all the time. But reading that book really opened my eyes to 
everything. I mean, just like I loved how she got real about her relationship with Barack. Yes, so real. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I loved how she talked about struggling, really mm-hmm. having to take a backseat with kind of the things that she had going on to be the first lady. Yes. And just kind of the stresses that that brought on. She talked about the importance of her friendships because mm-hmm. as you can only imagine, having to be in the public eye like that, you need some type of release. Yeah, and I so. liked how, like you t- touched on Barack, I like how she uh, was really real about that because so many people had them as goals, but are you willing to compromise the things that she did? Because she talked about how after their wedding, he went and he was writing his book. Yeah. And like, (laughs) (laughs) like, can you just take a break? How do you, after their wedding, is going to let their groom dip out and write their book in privacy? Girl, not me. (laughs) (laughs) So that was just really eye-opening for me because it's just like, I just appreciated that that requires a certain level of humility that I try to have if, you know, I'm called or I have a role where it requires me to humble kind of my expectations for even my husband, Mm -hmm. then am I willing to do that? So I like that book a lot. Yeah, it humanized her. Yeah, it really did humanize her. Both of them really. Yep. So pick that book up, guys. (laughs) Um, Amara76 from Instagram wants to know, what are the key steps to starting a nonprofit? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I think I'll... I'll focus on some soft skills, but I'll try to back it up with some tangible things. I think the biggest thing is humility. Um, This isn't like a for-profit business, um, especially when you're dealing with children. So you have to humble yourself no matter how much attention you get for it or how much attention you're not getting. No matter if parents, you know, you get a parent gets mad at you about a book or whatever. You have to humble yourself because you have to have kind of a level of customer service and you're doing it for free. Well, at least I am right now. And um, you have to be humble in those situations to make sure that you're actually going to be able to get done what you need to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second phase of the humility part is being humble enough to learn. I had to learn a lot. And I think the best thing about Progressionista for me is that it didn't start out with, okay, me and you are going to start a nonprofit. What mm-hmm. paperwork that do we need to file? What is the mission going to be? It started out with what I wanted to do. And when I realized that I needed it to be more structured, I turned it into an official nonprofit. Okay. And I think that um, keeping in mind what you want to do first and then being humble enough to learn the steps to make it more official um, will take you farther than just thinking you know everything and Googling your way through it. Because I took classes. Okay. And I took a course at... um. U of D, and I think the course still exists. It was a boost program. And through that course, it was, I think, six to 10 weeks or maybe three. It was a while. It was like from March till June. Okay. I believe. But in that course, they matched you with a mentor. I had homework. I had mm-hmm. deliverables. I had all that kind of stuff. And at the end of it, um, my mentor um, helped me basically file the paperwork for my 501c3. Okay. But there were so many different um Kind of like loopholes for a smaller organization yeah. than if I was a big nonprofit trying like to get a foundation. A yeah, like something bigger. And those are things you wouldn't know if you're just doing it all on your own. Yep. And I think it's really important that, especially us, and I'm going to use the word millennials, us as millennials, <laughs> humble yourself to learn and to listen and to um, let mentors tell you what to do and to take the slow road sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there are people left and right getting 501c3s around me who were just starting nonprofits and getting their stuff. And that it made me feel inadequate at times. But it's like 
I feel like do, me doing it the slow way and still steady building up the mission of Progressionista and serving the girls while doing it, yep. it really helped it have more longevity. Because mm-hmm. when I was ready to file everything, I actually had like meat and potatoes. Right. Because I was doing the work already. Yeah, instead of just like, I'm mm-hmm. not a leaper. And I want people to know this, but I <laughs> and, do not. And it shows. Like, yeah. look at how nice <laughs> this is. Everyone in the podcast room is super nice. <laughs> but people, you know, start podcasts every day and it shows and how um, you, you market it, how you reach out, how mm-hmm. you text people like okay i'm here this is how you get here people don't have that type of hospitality yeah. anymore and that's why i appreciate about you so i just want to call it out Thank um you again. so humility is the first thing the second thing i would say is you have to have some type of faith um it doesn't if you're not a religious person doesn't have to be religious but you have to have something that pushes you beyond this stuff because it can be very hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, just little things like a child being sick and the mom, you know, crying out to you about it or um, a kid not having a place to go or just these some of the stories that come up mm-hmm. and then having to do the business side then having people reach out to you on Instagram about, um, you know, collaborations and yeah. partnerships and stuff. And people still wanting to treat you like you're a traditional business and you just don't have that type of time and leverage because you're working mm-hmm. with the community. And there's so many different stakeholders. You have to work with parents. It's just different. Um, so you have to have some type of faith, something that pushes you beyond yourself and beyond your humanity. And then the third thing I would say is you have to love doing it mm-hmm. because there will be days where it's like, I don't have to do this. Right. <laughs> I really don't. You know, I'm young. People are going on trips. They're having fun. They're living their best life. I don't have to do this, but I love doing it. And yeah. I think that's what keeps me. You know, some weekends, I remember when I first started doing it, every progression needs to meeting will fall on the weekend of my college homecoming. Oh, no. And um, I finally went when I got to the point where I could have someone substitute. Got you. But I couldn't go at the, yeah. at the beginning years. And all my friends could just pick up and go. I could not go because I was building this organization and I loved it. And I think that love for it, it really does sustain me, especially when I'm doing things like starting the East Side group Mm -hmm. and it's a lot more on my plate. Just seeing the girls and loving to read and just the authenticity around it, it just really, it really sustains me. And I think if you're trying to do something with having in mind, I want to change something. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good start, but that's not the best start. Right. Because really, who are we to think we can change anything? Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to get too deep, but it's the truth. (laughs) But when you love something, that is what keeps you. And that's what people see. That's the light people see is love, Mm -hmm. that you really are who you say you are. And I think that what I've tried to do so many things. I've had a lot of different projects. Mm -hmm. This is just the one that I feel like stuck. And I think it's because it was true to who I was. Yeah. I really do read and I really do look up to a lot of women. Right. And I really do like to be creative and I love my city. And it wasn't something that was fake. So it wasn't something that... When I got tired of it or when life hit, because it will hit, Always. regardless of, you know, what you're doing, something outside of your control is going to happen. Yep. I was able to still do it because it was so me. I love that. So last set of questions come from comes from Bailey, my Bailey. bestie. I know Bailey, Howard <laughs> yeah. girl, right? Yes, we love her. <laughs> um, but she wants to know, she has two questions. Okay. Do you have a book recommendation list? And then how do you find time to read with the busy schedule? Because you work full time. You're doing these two groups. How do you find time for you to sit down and read what you want to read? Yeah, um, I think, Bailey, go to my Instagram. (laughs) Um, That's the best way to get book recommendations. Um, And you can just do hashtag Chanel. My name is spelled S-H-A-N-E-L, Chanel's Book Club. 
You can see every book I read, read for like the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other books that I read. I read a ton of books that I don't post only because I feel like no one will care. Um, <laughs> some of the books I read can get weird. So I don't even <laughs> post them because I'm like, why is she even reading this? Why is she reading this book about old choirs in the 16th century? That actually sounds interesting, though. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I just bring that up. But there are some times that I get really interested about something and I'm reading about it and I'm like, nobody needs to know about mm-hmm. this. Um, but Bailey, you can always text me or DM me. People, you know, be surprised how many times people DM me, like, do you have a book recommendation for me? Yeah. And I think of books that are literally related to them as a person that okay. I know about, because I know about so many books at this point. Yeah. Um, how do I find time to read? I think I find time to do it because I want to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say that whole, you make time for what you want. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's though. true because I was supposed to be working out and I stopped. And it's because <laughs> I don't want to right, work out. Okay. If that's, you know, really <laughs> the truth, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but reading is something I love to do. And I think because I was, um, I was with, I met this man yesterday and he said something that I thought was really profound. He said that social media was like fast food. Interesting. Yeah. So. Um, and just how it's available okay. and it's food. Mm-hmm. But if you eat too much of it, it's obviously not good for you. True. Um, it's readily available. It's highly commercial now. Mm-hmm. But it's just not the same as real food. Yeah. And I feel like books is my real food. Um I try not to be on social media that much. Okay. I get on there. And like, you know, when you DM me, mm-hmm. I respond because I have notifications. Yeah. But just sitting on there consuming just this fast information, I try not to do it. And then things that interest me tend to have books written about them. I tend to not be able to find them online. So I'm always on Thrift Books, who I feel like they should sponsor me because I tell everybody about Thrift Books and I don't get anything out of it. But I'm always, I'm always on Thrift Books, which you should check out. Okay. It's, um, have you ever been on there? Ever? I haven't. I usually get my books from the store. or mm-hmm. like It's a used books um, online retailer. Okay. And you can buy books severely cheaper than on Amazon. They're used, but they're really, really good condition. The shipping is like a dollar oh. or it's like free if you spend $10. Okay. And I buy a ton of books off yeah. of books. Okay. I really do. Um, so I find time um, to read because I want to, but I'll give you some tips. Um, I read, I like to read at night when I'm settled. Same. Um, so all my books are by my bed mm-hmm. because, and I also don't have a TV in my room. Same. So that helps. Yeah. You know, I'm comfortable in my bed. I'm about to get up and go to the living room to get, you know, watch the TV. Yeah. So what am, I'll read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, also just who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with readers, then you're going to read. If people are like, oh, you got to read this book or what did you think about this book? Now I'm at the point in my life where I have so many people around me who are heavy readers that naturally I'm picking up books based off of their recommendations. I want to participate in the conversation. So Mm -hmm. I read. Um, But also be gentle with yourself. Um, I know Bailey, so I can't. (laughs) I know she has a J-O-B. And I know how that can be when you're working because I work. And I know you get home, you're tired. You want to do something that doesn't require mental energy. Right. So um, I'm big on reading Really, 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 um, I said that wrong. I'm good to be, I'm big on reading a lot at, um, 
like during a day okay and then like putting it down and maybe like a week later reading the rest gotcha um so instead of like i gotta read every day Mm -hmm. or i have to read you know three chapters and be finished with this book by the end of the week yeah what's the who are you trying to right all righty well thank you for that and i'm sure bailey will take those into account because i know like you said she works and she travels like mm-hmm. nobody's business so bailey keep that in mind <laughs> mm-hmm. but what are your plans for progressionista in the future i think um we talked about it a little bit but My ultimate goal is for women who are progressionistas to really, like, fall in love with the program and want to start their own in their local library branch. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like I said, I can't do it by myself. And I've been very fortunate to have my mom and my um, friend Shakira really hop on board and help me so much. Yeah. And other women who volunteer and come, even, like, when you came, you helped. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That helps a lot. Um, But I think that this is something that, the only way that it can remain like neighborhood based and intimate is by women who are part of their communities, you know, taking on the mission and doing yeah. it themselves. And if anyone is interested, it's not that much work. It's only once a month because yeah. it's a book club. And um, I don't know when I'll have it ready for it to be like sustainable. Okay. And women just, you know, becoming progressionist leaders. But that is my ultimate goal. Love it, love it, love it. I would definitely be interested. So you just let me know okay. when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? Mm. Well, Detroit is my heart. I chose to come here after I graduated from college. It was something that I intentionally chose. And um, I would have never, ever done progressionista if I wasn't in Detroit. And Detroit helped me find myself. So it means self-discovery. Wonderful. And lastly, where can people connect with you and Progressionista on social? Okay, so Progressionista, the website is Progressionista, and Progressionista is progressionista.org. You can find anything about Progressionista from the last five years there. Even look at every single meeting we've ever ever Mm -hmm. done. I have every single meeting we've ever done on there. Um, but it's also the same thing on social media. If you type that word in, you'll find us on all social media platforms. Um, my name is Chanel Adams, and my Instagram is um, just my name, Chanel.Adams, and I spell Chanel with an S. And there is where I put all my grown-up book recommendations. Mm-hmm. So you can check those out. Perfect. So I just want to thank you so yeah, much thank for, you for coming. Having me. I think this was a great discussion. And as always, I want you all to remember that Detroit girls do it better. Yes, we do. And <laughs> we will be back next week. Okay. Thank you.